Amen. Well, good morning. My name is Derek, one of the pastors here, and we're excited that you could join us this morning. We uh, are in our series, our all-in series, where we're trying to get a glimpse of what it looks like to be all in with Jesus. Uh, this last year, we decided to build a house. Um, it's actually been a, a, quite a longer process, but we built our house, a lot of fun. Um, one of the, the big things that you need when you're building a house is framing. And so we did the framing, um, and I was blessed with Todd. He's actually in the back. You can look back and hi, Todd. Um, so, so Todd did our framing, and one of the cool things was I got to work with Todd a lot. Now, I had done some framing before, but I was by no means an expert. And so, you know, I learned this look that I would get from him, and it, the look was like, you're an idiot. Um, and, but, but he was full of grace with it. But it was, it was, there's a better way to do that, and then he would show me the better way to do it. And, you know, when you're doing a pitch on a roof, there's a way you can actually use the square to get the right angle on the pitch. You know, I, did, I just thought it does squares. Um, or doing, when I did stairs, I had to do stairs, and I'm trying to figure out the math. If you've ever tried, you know what I'm talking about, the math on the stairs and marking it all out. And he came up, he's like, and he, and he gives me a tool. He's like, here's how you do it. I'm like, holy mackerel, you just saved me three hours. Um, and then there were other times when he was, I didn't work every day. There's other times where, where he would make sure I was going to be there because whatever he was doing needed more hands, you know, lifting heavy things mainly. Um, or we'd put our head together to, to figure something out. And I think it's a good picture of not just life in general, but also our spiritual life. A, a lot of times we want to do things alone, but we can get further and go farther and do better when we do things together. You've probably heard it said that two people working together can get more accomplished than two people working alone. And that's absolutely true. And it's actually biblical, too. You read in the Old Testament where it talks about, you know, two people are better than one because when one falls, the other one can pick it up and pick them up. And, and three chords are not easily broken, just pointing to this need for community. And that's God's design for us as people, as his people, to be in community together, to do this life together. I, I like the phrase, you know, our, our spiritual life is personal, but not private. You know, we, we get stuck in this, you know, this is just, leave me alone. I'll do my, my thing my way. I'll believe what I want to believe. I'll pursue God. I don't need the church. I don't need other people. But the truth is, that as we look at scripture, that's false. As you study the word, we actually do need each other. Now, uh, if you're visiting, you are here on a great day because we are talking about what it looks like to be all in with Jesus. Uh, Jesus said in Luke 9, 23, if anyone would come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow me. Now, leave that, leave that up for a little bit because I want to touch on that. But a lot of times as we're talking about following Jesus, we can get wrapped up in and maybe the difference between being saved and, and following Jesus. And as we talk about this all-in series, what it looks like to be all-in, it can be overwhelming at first. You can hear and go, oh, are we supposed to do all these things, and if I don't do them, I'm not saved? No. We are saved by faith in Jesus alone. That is repeated over and over in the New Testament, Ephesians 2, 8, 9. For by grace we have been saved through faith, not of yourselves. It's a gift of God, not by works, so no one can boast. So we're, we're saved by faith in Jesus. His death on the cross alone, his blood shed for your sins, gives you life. If you don't know Jesus, that's the message for you today, that your problem, because you're a human just like the rest of us, our problem is sin. And sin separates us from God from the moment we're born because our parents sinned and they passed it on. And then we've chosen to sin at some point, and that separates us. 
But Jesus' death on the cross covers our sin. Uh, true biblical Christianity is different from every other religion in the world. Because every religion, look at them, even a lot of, of Christian religions will tell you what you need to do to get to God. You know, follow these rules, attend this, whatever it is. How are you going to get up the mountain? But the truth is we were all at the bottom of the mountain with no ability to climb the mountain to God. And so God came down the mountain to us, took on flesh in the form of Jesus, died on the cross for our sins, their salvation. Now, what this series is about is after that. Because Jesus, you know, he said, you're saved by believing in me. But Jesus didn't want just a bunch of people that would believe in him. And then that's kind of the end of it. Jesus' plan wasn't just to give us a, a get-out-of-hell-free ticket, you know, or a get-into-heaven ticket. That wasn't his goal. His goal, and as you see it throughout Scripture, when Jesus said, follow me, his goal was to get followers. For our benefit and for his glory, it's best for us when we follow Jesus. And so you see here in, in the Scripture, Jesus says, if anyone would come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow there is a sacrifice involved, and that's where life happens. You know, I love Jesus' invitation, and he puts this in invitation out to anybody. He says, he says, come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden. You know, are you weary from, from work, from, from sin in your own life, from trying to accomplish, whatever it is, you know, come to me, he says, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am meek and lowly of heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. That's the life Jesus promises and calls us to. But it's not a life of just, I believe. That's a life that comes from following him. And so that's the whole point of this series. What does it look like to follow Jesus? You say, I believe he died on the cross. I belong to him. I want to die to myself. I want to follow. What does that look like? And so this series is designed to give you some handles. Um, th this isn't an all-exclusive or all-inclusive series. You're going to listen to it all and go, hey, you left some things out. And you're probably right. Um, but we started the first week with, with A. We use this acronym all in, and it's on the back there. And, and the, the graphic we use is puzzle pieces because it's kind of the pieces of life. But the first one is A, meaning we are plan A. God's plan A is that we share a better way and there is no plan B. Meaning, as I just shared the gospel, the truth of Jesus saving souls on the cross, life is found only in him. There is no other way. You can't get to him by any other religion. You can't get to him by even doing Christian religion without Jesus. It's all, and the way people will learn about that is through us. It's through us. Everybody who has ever made a profession of faith at some point has learned from another believer. And so God's plan A is that we share a better way and there is no plan B. Now, the second one, last week, uh, Preston did a great job te teaching about loving God. That's the second L in our all-in, love God. And what's so important about that is life is all about loving God. When Jesus was asked, what's the greatest commandment? He said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love, love God. We were made, we were designed for a relationship with God, a love relationship with God. And that really kind of needs to be our starting point. Because a lot of times, you know, and we have the danger here at Common Ground to start doing religion, you know, or to, to engage in this mission of plan A to share the gospel, to change the world for him, which is great. But if we skip over the relationship with Jesus, it's all worthless. And so, L, love God. We were designed for a love relationship with God. You know, I like to make the distinction, and it can be a little bit confusing, but the distinction between our purpose and our mission. So our purpose, as we see, is to love 
and know God, whereas our mission is to help others know and love God. Our mission is to make disciples, but our purpose is to know God. Think about that. Why did God make us? He made us for a relationship with him. We're going to know him more and more through eternity. We're going to love him more and more through eternity. But when eternity comes, the new heaven, the new, earth, the new kingdom, we're not going to be doing evangelism. We're not going to be having Bible studies. You know, those things will be passed away, but we are going to continue to know God and love God. But while here, our, our primary mission collective is to take that to others, to grow ourselves in him and to take that to others. Turn to Acts 2 if you would. Because in Acts chapter 2, we're going to get a glimpse of the early church. Acts 2. Feel free to use your table of contents. Uh, Acts is the first book after the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John in the New Testament. And the book of Acts really describes the beginning of the early church. Um, and it's a description. Not everything in Acts is prescriptive, meaning everything you read in Acts, it's, it's a historical account. You don't read everything and go, oh, we need to do exactly that. But here we're going to see the, the early community and how they organized their life and what they did. And we can learn a lot from what they did. This is after Jesus died on the cross. Jesus rose from the dead. Jesus spent 40 days in his new body hanging out with the disciples, teaching them about the kingdom. And then Jesus ascended into heaven. A few days after that, the Holy Spirit came upon uh, the, the Jesus followers, not just the 11 at that point disciples, but there's a, a, over 100 disciples together that received the Holy Spirit. Then they went out and preached this great sermon, and thousands were saved. And so immediately you have thousands now in the church, um, and here's how they live together. Look at Acts 2, 42 to 47. And let me say one more thing before I read these. I think this is a good picture of all in Jesus' followers. Because in that day, there in Jerusalem at the very beginning, it wasn't a cool thing to follow Jesus. It wasn't a fad. It wasn't popular. These were mainly Jews who were starting to follow Jesus in a Jewish community with Jewish families. Many of them, if they chose to follow Jesus, would be they'd lose their families. They'd lose their jobs. It, was, it wasn't like, hey, this is a great, cool new thing. In fact, they're choosing to follow Jesus, who had just been murdered two months before. So this is a good picture of those all in with Jesus, not just uh, culturally acceptable Christianity. Look at verse 42, Acts 2, 42. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. Now, we're actually going to spend most of our time just on that first verse because the rest of it is kind of a description of what happens after you do what, what, what is there at first. And it says they devoted themselves. That word devoted is, is helpful because it means to head toward a direction with strength. You know, devoted, it means you're all in. I, I think that would probably be a better translation. They were, they were all in. They were going together somewhere. You know, they weren't just getting together and hanging out. They were going somewhere. They had a purpose. And these apostles, 
What were they doing? Or what, what were they giving themselves to? What were they devoted to? First, the apostles' teaching. The apostles' teaching. Think about that. When Jesus, uh, right at the end, before he ascended into heaven, some of his last words to his disciples were, go make disciples of all nations, teaching them to observe all I have commanded you. Teaching them to obey, do all that I've, what did he command them to do? A lot. <laughs> there was a lot of teaching. So now one of the, the apostles' main job was passing on Jesus' teaching to this early church, this new church, and they were giving themselves over to this teaching. They were listening to it. They were internalizing it. And here, a, a lot of that teaching, John 17, 3, this is some of Jesus' teaching that was then passed on from the, through the disciples. John 17, 3 says, and this is eternal life, that they know the only true God and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. So again, this is pointing back to that purpose, to know God. And so the, the early church were going to the apostles, listening to their teaching for the purpose of getting to know God. Not just to carry out some church agenda, not just to build its ranks, but to know God. That is the ultimate goal. You know, that's why I love our worship team. Not only are they very skilled, but they point us to Jesus. In the words that we sing, we get to know God more and more. And so we're going to know God. In, in John 17, 3 there, that word know uh, is the Greek word gnosko. And it's not just an intellectual knowledge of something. It's not that kind of know. It's actually an experiential knowledge. A lot of times in the New Testament where it talks about knowing God, that word know is an experiential knowledge. You, you gain it from doing something. It, it's like reading a book on framing or then going and doing framing. You know, you, you really know it, not by reading it, but by actually doing it, learning how to swing the hammer. And this is what it's talking about, to know. The greatest ambition of an all-in-Jesus follower is to know God. I hope that gives you a little bit of peace. You know, that, that our main thing is to know God, and as we pursue him, then he'll do great things in and through us. But we start there. You know, John 15, 5 says, I'm the vine, you are the branches. This is Jesus speaking. Abide in me, and I in you, for apart from me you can do nothing. It's all about this abiding, knowing, loving relationship with God. I want to read how Paul, the Apostle Paul, uh, who was not one of the first disciples, uh, but came to know Jesus a little bit later. Jesus appeared to him. And Paul became the, the greatest early missionary. He wrote a good deal of the New Testament. And here's how he phrased this in Philippians 3. Don't turn there, just listen. Philippians 3 in verse 7, it says, But whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake, I've suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith that I might know him and the power of his resurrection and may share in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death. You know, Paul describes his great desire is to know God and his ambition to seek God uh, in, in knowledge, in experiential knowledge. So now, I, I think I've hit that hard enough. Our, our great purpose is to know God. How do we know God? How can we get to know God? Well, how did they get to know God? the apostles' teaching. Well, here's, here's our situation now. About 2,000 years later, we don't have apostles anymore. 
You know, as Scripture lays out what apostles are, we don't have apostles in the sense there. So nobody now can get up and say, thus saith the Lord. You know, I just heard this from God. I'm giving it to you outside of Scripture. We have the apostles' teaching still found here in Scripture. The Bible, uh, Old Testament, New Testament, here we get to know God. Here's what it says in 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17. All Scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. Scripture, all Scripture is profitable. Paul wrote that later. Paul would refer to Peter's writings as Scripture. Peter would refer to Paul's writings as Scripture. They also both referred to the Old Testament writings as Scripture. This is God-breathed, meaning literally God, God spoke, you know, breathed, and the words appeared. How God did that was through, through his people. So it was a cooperation of the Holy Spirit with the personalities of individuals. You read Peter. We're going to look at uh, 2 Peter in our next series. But you look at Peter, and he has his personality. The Holy Spirit cooperates with Peter's personality to write it. Paul has his personality, uh, kind of a strong one. And, and the Holy Spirit works with that to put things out there. This is how we get to know God. Scripture is our primary method of getting to know Jesus. Scripture is our primary method of getting to know Jesus. But if you're paying attention, you're going to be asking, well, but you said no isn't just knowledge. It kind of seems like reading words is just head knowledge, not experiential knowledge. There's something unique about the word of God. Hebrews 4.12 says, for the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing the division of soul and of spirit, of joints and of marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. God's word has power that no other words have. You can read Christian books great. There's a lot of great pastors out there writing great things. But their words don't have power like this has power. If I as a preacher, a teacher, if I stray from this, you should stop listening. Because my words apart from this do not have power. These words have power. And maybe you've experienced this maybe in a church service or maybe alone reading God's word where something just jumps out and grabs your heart. Maybe sin in your life was revealed to you just by reading that you didn't know was there. And at the same time, maybe with the Holy Spirit being involved, you felt God's love and grace in the midst of that. Or maybe you felt encouragement at times. God's word is powerful. Something happens as we prayerfully go to God's word expecting to hear from him. But God's, the word has power, but there's a, kind of another step in there. James 1.22, this is Jesus' half-brother said, be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. I love the book of James. Uh, James was, well, he was a construction worker, just like Jesus was early on. So he just kind of laid it right out there. He says, hey, you guys all claim to follow God. You claim to be Jesus followers. You have his word, but you're not doing it. So stop memorizing it. Stop doing all, unless you're going to actually live it out. Be doers of the word. And what's the goal as we go to his word, as we study, as the spirit interacts with our spirit and the word, what happens? Well, in 1 Thessalonians 4, 3, it says, this is the will of God, your sanctification. And just as we looked at Hebrews, the power of the word to change us, that is the goal, Christ-likeness. 
Sanctification is a process by which we become more and more like Jesus. And we're all in the process. Nobody's arrived yet. If anybody claims to have arrived, ignore them. Well, no, bring them to church. <laughs> you know, do something. They need Jesus. But we haven't arrived. So the, the goal of all this as we get to know God is that we become like Jesus. We love what he loves. Knowing Christ means you're becoming like him. This is what is different about God's church and any other organization. It's people growing in Christ-likeness. And ideally, if that's happening well, that group is a light to the community because they're loving well, they're full of grace, you know, not judgmental and condemning, but pointing to the truth in Jesus. And again, as, as the Apostle Paul wrote in Philippians that I read, he's straining forward toward that goal. He's pressing on. He's working hard to gain that. Again, we're not talking about gaining salvation. This is after we're saved. We have the Holy Spirit. Now, we are straining forward to get to know Jesus better. I, I love the picture. Now, we've got Super Bowl coming next week. But it's kind of that picture of, of uh, you know, Von Miller blitzing in on Mahomes and running him down to, you know, probably can't catch him. He's super fast. But, um, but it's that picture of, of somebody blitzing in, and they are going after that quarterback. And, and quarterbacks in the NFL have changed recently. They're faster now, and, you know, uh, they're not just Tom Brady that stands there and gets hit if they get through. But, but, they can, but, but so they have to work hard to run down these new – that's kind of the picture of us pursuing knowing Jesus, working hard at it, chasing it down. But there's another part of this, and that's what Katie actually was talking about in her announcements. But look back at Acts 2.42. You see, we're not going very far. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship. Maybe you've heard the Greek word koinonia. That's this word, fellowship. Fellowship means also going in a direction in relationship. You know, a lot of times we say, you know, we're just going to go fellowship. And what we mean is we're going to go sit around and have coffee together. That's not fellowship. That's part of it. But the word fellowship actually means, you know, shoulder to shoulder, going in a direction, accomplishing something in relationship. That's what fellowship means. And so they were devoted to these relationships. This fellowship meaning we're going to get to know God's word, we're going to become Christ-like, and we're going to do it together. We're going to help one another. An intimate, shared partnership. You know, kind of like framing. I needed help. Kind of like marriage. You know, if, if you have a good marriage, you know where your wife is strong or your husband is strong where you're not. For me, it's, it's sense of direction. I don't have one. Um, for some reason, you know, if we go on road trips and Callie falls asleep, she'll wake up be like, where are we? I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> and it's actually happened driving back from Colorado where we kind of pulled up. She's like, you went half an hour the wrong direction. I'm like, well, you know, well, you better stay awake then. Um, uh, you know, when we were first married and I, I, I had a job where I was traveling around and I'd print out all the map quest and, you know, this was before the GPS. Um, and I'd, I'd print out all my maps and I'd have my atlas and it'd be spread over my car and I'd still have to call her and go, I'm lost. You know, and she'd get online. If, but but kind of like that, we, we need each other. You are gifted in a different way than I'm gifted. You are gifted in a different way than the person sitting next to you is gifted. You have different experiences than others. You have the same experiences as others. Do you have sin that you're stuck in that is just eating you up on the inside? Guess what? You're not the only one. You may think you are. That's why you're being silent about it. But the person two seats down is maybe going through the same thing. And the person two seats back 
has gone through it and experienced God's power to get through it. And guess what? They can help you get through it. Any of you have kids and you're wrestling with how to raise your kids in a godly way, guess what? You're not the only one. There's other people with kids the same age as yours working on that. There's other people that have actually gone through that and done well and done bad. I had a, a, a meeting some time ago with a, a father asking, you know, counsel. We got together, and, um, and he was encouraged when I shared some of my mistakes. He's like, oh, good. I'm like, what? He's <laughs> like, I'm just glad to know you're like me. You know, we, we all kind of struggle through this together, and we need one another. That's the point here of fellowship. Spiritual growth is best accomplished in authentic community around the Word of God. We are better together. This is so central, not to this church, to every church. Every church, every individual that wants to really follow Jesus, we've got to have the Word, and we've got to have one another. We grow best in authentic community. And I like that word. That's part of it, authentic community, meaning we don't get together and pretend like we have it all right. We are honest with who we are, and we're gracious with one another, and then we point to God's truth together. You know, that's one of the great benefits of our groups. That's our goal in our groups is that as we get together, we start sharing life. Somebody can go, oh, I've been there, and here's what God says about the situation you're in right now. And it's a combination of what God says and our experiences of trying to apply that to our lives. And maybe we don't have the experience, so we work together. We make a phone call to somebody else. But you see how we do this together. Now, look on at this passage, Acts 2, 42. So they gave themselves to teaching, fellowship, the breaking of bread, that's probably communion, and prayers. And awe came upon every soul. Many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And look at 44, and all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. Now, this isn't socialism. It, it, you know, some could take this and go, okay, we need to have a socialist government. No, that's not what this is saying. But we as a community, we show up for one another. That's what we can get. Now, again, as you read through Acts and as you see, a lot of these early Christians, they expected Jesus to be coming back really, really soon. And so some of them, that's why they were selling all their stuff. They were selling their stuff. They were quitting their jobs because they're like, Jesus is coming back. And as he delayed, they're like, oh, no. <laughs> Maybe I should go get a job again. But so, so here, some of this community, it's how they were doing it. They were expecting Jesus to come back right away. But what we can glean from this is that they were in relationships. And so when needs arose, they knew about them because they were in relationships. And then they did something about it. Like in the book of James, where he says, be doers of the word. He also says, if you're doing the word and you're in community and somebody comes into your, your congregation, your gathering, and they're naked and you're like, hey, be warm. And you don't give them anything? He said, what point is that? That's kind of what we see here, that we learn the needs we have and we show up for one another. We help one another. And if we look on at verse 46, it says, And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts. I want you to notice this. This is really helpful for us. They did two things. They had the temple and they had their homes. You know, these first Christians were Jews. And so the place that they would go to worship, they would go on the Sabbath, which was Saturday, and they would go worship at, at the temple, a corporate worship. Like this gathering, our parallel would be this. 
early on in the church's history, they switched their, their gathering day from Saturday to Sunday because Sunday was the day Jesus rose from the dead. And so they switched. They started doing their gathering on Sunday, which is a tradition that's just passed to us, not because it's right. That's just the way we do it. But this gathering is what's important, this gathering to worship. We pray every Sunday before we gather that the Holy Spirit will be here. We pray that God's presence will be here to do things that we can't do. We gather here to worship. There is something unique about this gathering. We're supposed to do this. We're commanded to do this. In Hebrews, the writer writes, you know, stop forsaking your gathering together, as some have done, but, but continue to get together. We're supposed to do this. But then also, they were breaking bread in their homes. They were getting together in homes. Again, this is why we at Common Ground have chosen to do groups the way we do it. You know, it's not unique. We didn't invent it. Many people are doing it. It's not the right way. It's not the only way. It's the best way we've found to get people in community around the word. Because unlike this day and age, you know, Jesus, they say he never went 100 yards uh, beyond where he was born. Or 100 miles. Sorry, 100 yards. Golly. No. <laughs> Jesus never traveled more than 100 miles beyond where he was born. We live in a different world right now. We can hop in a car and be in 100 miles in two hours, less. And so we live in this different world, and, and, and we don't need to fight against it. This is the world we live in, where we can hop in our car, we can drive home into the driveway, close the door, and not see anybody. And so we have to be a little bit more intentional about doing this. And that's okay. That's okay. We have to, we have to fight for it because we need it. Now, as you attend here at Common Ground, you're going to learn some things. We don't do a lot of worthless tradition. And I'm not saying traditions are worthless. I think there's, there's great things in traditions. Um, but our goal is we gather, you know, you'll notice we don't do things maybe the way you, you grew up doing. We don't do the things the way I grew up doing them. Uh, I used to sing the doxology, loved it. Now Paul has a much better version, <laughs> I think, to sing those same words. But our goal, again, here is to meet with God. And then our goal is to, to weekly get together in homes to take what we've learned Sunday and other things and start applying it. You know, we write down these questions for groups and we go through them, but they're just a guide. When life is happening in groups, the groups throw the questions out. You know, we don't need these because we need to deal with what's happening in life right now. All in Jesus followers prioritize worship services and relationships with believers that help us grow in our relationship with God and others. Now, leave that up as you guys take that note. I, I want to make a, a comment, though. We need to get be careful of legalism that, okay, we're looking at this. That means I have to show up every single Sunday. I have to be at group. Every, you know what I mean? Life, life is life. We want to be consistent in these relationships. We want to be consistent here, but also life happens. You know, if you're throwing a big Super Bowl party on, on Super Bowl Sunday, maybe you're not coming that day, and God will judge you for that. But, um, <laughs> but, but I'm just, there's, there's, gra there's grace in all of this. You know, th there's grace in all of this. Um, to, uh, to help you get a picture, you know, one, one way is, is teaching and talking about it, uh, but I asked Slade and Megan and Zach to come up, so if you guys would come up here real quick. I asked them to come up and just ask, answer a few questions about uh, groups. Zach and Katie are some of our awesome group leaders. Uh, Megan and Slade, they got married recently, which was super cool. Um, And when I, I actually didn't ask Megan, I told her a couple weeks ago, oh, hey, you're speaking at church in a couple weeks. And she gave me this big-eyed look, and of course, we didn't make her, um, but I'm glad you did. So, um, Zach, the questions are for them, but you can take that when they leave stuff out that they should have included. Um, so, 
the first question is, why did you choose to try out a group in the first place? Um, so I guess it comes more, it came from her, really. So <laughs> Good answer. It all came from starting to do with, um, is this on? Okay. Yep. <laughs> starting to do, uh, start to follow, and I was just barely starting to go to church with her, uh, maybe once a month, and that was her already asking me for probably for about a whole year. So then it came to her wanting to get more roots and more involved and wanting to get deeper, so she brought up Rooted. And she was not willing to do it alone, and she was like, well, you want to do this with me? And it was pretty much, you're going to do this with me. <laughs> 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 and so um, going more into that, it, we found our group, and then it was still, um, still being quiet and me, me being more reserved, but finding the group was coming from wanting a deeper relationship, and that was the, I guess, him working slowly and that's where it came from for that. Okay. <laughs> so why did you continue in the group? You know, she, she guilted you into coming at first. Um, why did you continue? Because you're still going. Yes. So then continuing in the group, um, there was a prayer, the prayer time of Rooted. And it's a whole day or a whole time of just an hour of prayer to yourself individually. And that was me opening up completely my heart and mind, everything about it. Um, and then giving everything to God, and he totally talked to me right then. And um, so I bounced around. What, what happened was I bounced around the Bible and not knowing what to do with it at all, honestly. And everything that was I wrote down all came from one part, and it was all, it, so it's, it was just mind-blowing. And so and I, I guess it comes from I, I accepted Christ in, in that group, and just how much love everyone always gave right when you walked in the room. Um, and then to be able to be completely open and be able to talk without judgment, without feeling any of that, and then being able to get like the love right back and being able to talk back and openly. So the openly talking was amazing. It was the biggest Cool. Part. Megan, would you add any of this? Um, <laughs> no, I don't think so. <laughs> All right. Um, so then what has God done in your life uh, through the relationships in that group? Um, well, through it all, I think we've had a lot more um, followers and believers in our lives um, within both of our jobs and within both of our lives in general. Um, I, I'm sure it's because of being more open-minded to it. And now, even at work at Garibaldi's, now there's just everyone I talk to, it's there's questions now, and it's so much easier to answer. And um, oh, I had more to say to that question, and I can't remember it right now. <laughs> I'll add to this one. Um, with the small groups, God has helped open up. Like me personally, I'm a very introverted person naturally. So with the acceptance and the love of the groups, he's allowed me to be like more on fire and encouraged to say those extra words to someone asking questions and like be open um not so reserved it's just giving me more confidence confidence overall is one of the biggest things just having that love and acceptance awesome zach would you add to this what have you seen in their lives over the last year um obviously i, I mean they've kind of already said it um but 
for for us seeing them just grow in Christ together as a couple, um, I mean, obviously it was exciting to see Slade come to Christ. Um, him and Hunter go, both got baptized in the same time frame. The whole group was a part of that, and it was very exciting for the group. Um, but seeing Megan just be there every week with them, and we all knew that Slade wasn't a believer, so it was like, all right, how's this going to go? Because <laughs> um, you just never know. Because you don't want to scare people away, but you also just want to show them the love of Christ. And obviously the Holy Spirit did everything it needed to do. Um, and then just seeing them grow together, um, they, they've just changed their life dramatically towards Christ. And you can see that with how the relationship is, how, they're, how they are with every group member. Um, they're just very involved. So, Cool. Now, how has your group benefited from them? Um, I think just having their experience now with the change in their life, we have other group members that are young, old, that can speak into their life, but they can also speak into it as well. Um, so having them a part of it has just made it more exciting. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Uh, then last question for anybody, everybody. Why would you recommend others join a group if they're not in one? Well, you had the best answer for this one. <laughs> Um, we would recommend drawing a small group because it's a time to come together and fellowship with like-minded believers um, without judgment you're not expected to perform it's real honest raw Um, the love of God is present it's just fulfilling to come outside of you know meeting on Sundays and meet with everybody Um, you have accountability people constantly praying for you you connect with other couples and individuals. It's just awesome. So if you've ever like felt that nudge or like you know thought, oh maybe I'll try it, but I'm not sure. Dive in and do it because it'll be one of the best decisions you'll make. <laughs> cool. <laughs> Thank you guys. You're awesome. Yeah. <laughs> Megan, you have a future in public speaking. <laughs> no, thank you for being willing to share and be honest and. Um, you know, again, what we see in Scripture is our goal is to get to know Jesus. And that's our main goal, to get to know God. That best happens in authentic community around the Word. Now, again, you know, you may be like, wow, they're really pushing this groups thing. I'll, I'll be honest. This is the way we do It's not the only way. But we do need relationships. That, that's what I would really push. We need relationships around the Word. You know, and if you need help with that, this is the way we do it, and it works pretty well. Um, you know, we, we say it this way that here at Common Ground, we live out God's truth together. We live out God's truth together. And, and look back, we're going to look at one more verse, verse 47. That as they were engaged in this community, becoming more Christ-like together, uh, verse 47, praising God and having favor with all the people, and the Lord added to their numbers day by day those who were being saved. The result as they were living their faith, as others were looking at, at that and going, they've got something we want. Um, and they were engaging. So authentic community around the word. If you want to be all in with Jesus, God has given you this option uh, among his people. And I encourage you, take advantage of what God wants to do through his people in your life. And through you, I've heard people say this, I don't need other people. And my response is, well, they need you. <laughs> you may not think that you need other people, but other people need you. You have some great things to offer, and you probably don't even know it. Let me pray. Father, thank you uh, for your word. Thank you for this example that we did see in the early church um, of those following you together, of those ambitious to get to know you. And God, I I do pray that 
for us in this room that we, Holy Spirit, that you would help in our hearts make our greatest ambition to know you more. Um, to know you intellectually, yes, but also heart level and not just in a, an emotional way, but to experience you, that when life happens, we experience trust in you. We experience faith. Uh, we experience your comfort. Uh, when we mess up or we remember past sins, we experience your true grace and forgiveness. God, that we experience your hope that is in you because you're gonna come back and we have eternity with you. Um, God, I just pray that we would be faithful doers of your word, that you would do in us what you want to do in us so that you can also do through us what you want to do through us. In Jesus' name, amen.